If you're looking for a show about everyday black dreamers and doers, you've come to the right place. Join me on a quest to find ordinary people doing extraordinary things, reinterpreting the rules of the game in order to achieve life on their own terms. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview James Noble. He is an award-winning Canadian and Ghanaian rapper and hip-hop artist. In our conversation, James and I discuss how he got his start in the musical industry, the behind-the-scenes of his new single, Crown, a tribute song he wrote for his late mother, and how his unique brand of faith has inspired him to write songs of elevation and inspiration. So pull up a chair, relax, and get ready for this new episode of Black Gold Podcast. Hello, listeners, to another show of Black Gold Podcast. And in this episode, I'm talking with James Noble. He is a Canadian and a Ghanaian rapper and hip-hop artist. He has recently released a new single called Crown. One of the things that he is known for, his music videos and, and getting awards for his very interesting take on societal issues as well as different topics. And James, with his hit single, did it as a tribute for his mother who recently passed away. And James, thank you so much for being on the show and my deepest condolences, brother. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. So how did you get started as a hip hop artist? What were some of your main influences? Yeah, I, I always grew up loving music, like a lot of us did. And I would memorize a lot of the rhymes that I liked to recite them, but I never thought I could pen my own until I was about to graduate high school. And I remember just taking a look at what I was listening to. And at that point I was trying to clean it up a little bit, but there was nothing compelling that I could find that was clean. And, and I'm a man of faith, so I, I pray a lot. So I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking God, what do I do? And I just felt this, yo, why don't you do something about it? And I, I thought, man, okay. I, I never thought about that. And so not long after that, I went to college and I met a bunch of, of brothers from around the Texas and Louisiana area. And they all rhymed. And so I just slid up next to them and and started absorbing a lot of their energy and got my start from there. My early influences, like I, I, I'm a melting pot when it comes to my style and that, a lot of that comes from my upbringing. My mom, I remember her playing Prince when I was growing up. We'd be dancing around and let's go crazy. And she would play when Dove's crying. I just remember being like, man, this is incredible. Like I've never heard anything like this before. And then start growing up and my parents mixed it up with different people. So it was like, it was pop too. It was Sting, The Police, Phil Collins, those kind of sounds. And then eventually I found my way 
way to, to, to Tupac. And one of the things I loved about Pac was storytelling ability and his ability to reach the heart. That was one of my favorite things about him. And so I definitely took some cues from that, just speaking from the heart with my rhymes. And uh, yeah, and then it just it kind of went from there. I was in the States for a bit doing it and then came back to Canada and continued the uh, the pursuit. So that's uh, that's the short that's the short version anyway. Wow. I mean, it sounds like you really had to like take those like different journeys and different trails in order for you to arrive to where you are today. And so Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how has your Ghanaian culture, how has that influenced your music in terms of the way that you tell stories, not just in the music itself, but the the real like message behind it. How has that really influenced you in terms of even like in in the way that you write the music? Right. Yo, that's a great question. My Ghanaian heritage. I would I would attribute it directly to my mother. Um my mother was very passionate, um, very vocal, very bold in her uh convictions and she used to believe she's a woman of faith and so I learned a lot from her but as much as she talked as she walked it there was a lot of you know integrity with what what she was bringing to people she would always make sure that she was living it so that yeah I don't know there, there was that element of conviction I think and I just think we as a people whether it's African or African-American or just the black just worldwide, very passionate people. And so and when we believe something, we put everything behind it. You, you're going to know how we feel about something, right? And so, yeah, so I, I think that, and it's funny too, because conversely, Canadians are known as very polite people. And it's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. You catch yourself saying sorry for no reason, you know what I'm saying? And so... I don't know. It was like a, a bit of a reference point, like an anchoring point. Like, yo, don't be shy. Don't be so shy. And uh, say what you mean, what you say. And so I, I would say that's some of the ways that uh, just culturally, you know, my music and, and just my journey in the manhood has been influenced by my, by my Ghanaian heritage, for sure. And so how then would you say you go about putting together a, a new song? What is your process like in terms of using those influences that you have, both from heritage from Ghana, as well as mixing it up with some hip hop and, and stuff like yeah. that? It, it's not hard because I think, first of all, I always just start with a feeling, a vibe at the core of me. What am I feeling? What, have I, what is it I want to convey with this song? And then, as well, I the beat will speak to me. I was like, what's the beat? What's this beat saying to me? What does it evoke? And then I go from there when I just start. I used to, like, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And so I, I would try to like write everything in its perfect form right away. And I, I experienced a lot of frustration that way because if I didn't nail it perfect the first time, I'd almost like, scrap it and start all over again. And then I, I learned that, they call it a creative process for a reason. It's, it's a process. And you, you begin with the raw ideas, the ideas in their raw form, and then you refine them, right? And so I learned how to be patient. 
I learned the steps that are necessary to go from an idea to a song. You know, I'll start with, okay, a feeling, okay. And how would I, how would I articulate that feeling? What word encapsulates that feeling? So I'll brainstorm on that a bit. And, and I try not to come too much from my brain. I try to come from my heart in terms of those words. And then I just build on whatever comes from there. And then, and then in terms of like my flow, stylistically, I'm very conscious of my flow. And so the cadence is, so I'll kind of scat them a bit, like, like that, 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 something like that, whatever, right? If, whatever flow, kind of cadence I ever, I hear matching the beat. And then I then work, I'm start the process of working the words into that pattern and I'll flip it a little here, flip it a little there. But by the time it's all done, man, I just wanted to like dazzle the ears and not just, there's definitely how I'm saying what I'm saying, and there's also what I'm saying. So I want all cylinders firing. So it's a process, and like I said, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I go in pretty hard um, on my process. Yeah, and you're right, it does take time. You need to take it from that raw state, as you said, and then over time, like a diamond, you got to refine, yeah. polish out the edges, cut it real nice, make it into the shape that you want, and then... Finish it up real good. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Sometimes microwave generation, you just want it now. But get a little wiser as you get older and you learn learn the virtues of patience. So So in terms of, I would say, not just in creating the music, but also in the the lyrics themselves, what resources do you use? What tools do you use in order to come up not just with the beat, but also with the words and your own personal style? How do you go about that process? Man, yeah, that's a great question. Like I said, there's the initial articulation of whatever vibe I'm getting from the beat and subject matter. There's times I'll, like a writer, you'll employ tools sources and stuff just to say see hey is there a better word for this theme um than what i've come up with but uh, yeah and then man a lot of inspirational writing whether it be scripture or different authors i'm always reading and so that i, I find i'm not necessarily going and referencing these books except for maybe my bible but just like the Psalms, I love the Psalms because they come from a very real place. When people think of scripture, they think of a lot of like rigid rules and just stuff that they can't really relate to. And it seems, I don't know, it's harsh in nature, but the Psalms are very relatable. You got people at the happiest and at the saddest, at height, at depth. There's things they're going through, and I love it. You hear David like pouring out his heart, and like I said, when I reference Pac, like that's the kind of writing that I really gravitate towards. And so I just make sure that I'm being honest. I try to, I just try to be transparent and and convey whatever it is I'm feeling. It's like my whole aim is, by the time I finish saying what I'm saying, I want the person to come away and be like, "Yo, like that couldn't have been said any better." 
whatever idea I'm trying to convey is, yo, man, like I, I felt exactly what that man was going through. I've gone through that and he couldn't have said it any better than he said it. So that that's always my aim. So those are some of the things I employ to, to get to that point. Okay, so that, okay, that makes much more sense in terms of, again, you want to make sure that you're like always practicing your craft. You're always like drawing on different sources for inspiration. But yeah. The primary source that you use is the Bible. And I think one of your, one of your songs, is, you had a scripture on there from, from Malachi. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the, uh, the Sunflower uh, Freestyle. Um, yeah, 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 the Sunflower yeah. Freestyle. Why did you choose that scripture specifically? Man, that, because that, that's been a bit of my guiding light through fatherhood. Man, that's what I love about music. I love about art. I just, I love how powerful it is as a, a medium to communicate some like really powerful truths. And so you got like your life, how do you condense your life into a few short lines when you got this gift in hip hop, right? So yeah, that, that specific scripture, Malachi, you know, uh, God talks about like how I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers lest I strike the land with a curse. And I just believe that being a father of mine for the last 15 years, I got four kids and, and a lot of the problems we're experiencing in society is due to an absence of fathers, not being in the mix and, and how vital it is for fathers to be in the mix and how much even of the criminal element out there, they prey on kids without fathers. You got human trafficking, you got fellas looking for girls with daddy issues. You got gangbangers and they're looking for soldiers that don't have anybody guiding them. So, man, it's like God knows how important fathers are to the equation. And I think the devil knows how important fathers are to the equation. And so, and this is something I've had to live. I've had to develop. I haven't always been on point. I haven't always been perfect, but I'm always learning. And when I, as I watch my kids grow up, like I started out with twin girls and man, like being a father to daughters, that's a whole, that, that is, that's a whole mountain in of itself, but thank God there's help. And then I have a son and then another daughter. They've taught me so much about what matters. They've shown me why it's important that we do life together. And so I don't know. I love that whole, I love the sunflower song in general and just, I love the hook you left in the dust unless I stand by it. I just felt like that really summed it up beautifully and I wanted to write around that. And I thought that that, that scripture, man, it just it nailed it. And it's something that I live by. I really do. And I think that if, if other people would, I think this world would be a different place. If we played our position like we're supposed to, as parents in general, but especially as fathers. So yeah, man, I just, like I said, transparency and realness. Like I just, I'm, I'm giving you what, I'm living. I'm not telling you anything different than what I'm doing. Yeah. I like that. I agree with all of that in terms of, there definitely is a spiritual aspect to parenting. Especially there's God as our father and yeah. we as, as people 
children of God having children. And so it's that yeah. kind of relationship. We need to figure out the balance between, okay, God is our father. We are the fathers of these children. How do we then, we are not God, but how do we in a way become like a God on earth for them and yeah. help them and guide them and nurture them. And so, yeah. 100. No, you nailed it. I think we're the first representation of God that our kids have. It's this ultimate authority in their life and this male figure. And it's so, so important how you walk out that responsibility because it's going to leave a lasting impression. So definitely, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So on your latest release, Crown. Yeah. Can you just walk through the creative process behind that song that you just released? And you released it September 14th. That's of this year. Can you talk more about even the significance of the date they released it as well? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, that September 14th, that would have been my mother's 74th uh, birthday. So it was, we, we had, we're planning to release it in September, um, trying to decide when the best date would be. And then just felt, you know what, this would be very fitting to release it on her birthday. So that that's, that's what led to that decision. And then in terms of the process of making the song, man, this is one of those songs that was like, and when I say it was orchestrated, when I say it was like Providence, I'm not playing because we, my wife and I and kids, we drove 32 hours from Canada, Western Canada, down to Corpus Christi, Texas, because at that point, my mom was on death's door. But at the same time, the hospital wasn't doing all they could to help her. And so we had another doctor in the mix who was guiding us in terms of places where there was potential better care. And so we drove down there, we got down there, we were able to get her transferred. Um, but at the end of the day, by the time, all the energy it took to get her from one place to another, long story short, she was just like, look, I see what you're doing and I appreciate it. And she didn't want it to fight. She, it was, we were fighting on basically her orders. Um, for her, she felt like she wasn't done yet. And so I had a lot of doctors and nurses trying to convince me to just give up. And I said, she ain't giving up, so neither am I. And so, but when she finally was like, no, I'm at peace, we're going. And I said, okay, I'll back that decision too. And so that was late, August of last year, 2022. And then she ended up going into hospice care and passing about five, six days later. And so we spent the rest of September um, doing a memorial uh, and packing up her life, getting her things sold and all of that. Because again, we're living in Canada. So when we finally made our journey back to Canada, um, we had gone down in the middle of August and we started making our way back in October of uh, same year. So maybe about a month and a half later. So, so we did the two-day drive, which brought us halfway home in Denver, Colorado. And while we were staying there overnight, someone tried to steal our van. And so you got to think, I've got my four children, I've got my wife, I've got my mom's ashes, and I've got all of her earthly belongings. Right. And yeah, and so they tried to steal it. Fortunately, they weren't successful, but they destroyed the ignition in the process. And so, yeah, it was crazy. So at that point, I'm like, man, you're thinking, we've already been through it. And I'm looking out, I'm like, Lord. But I felt nothing happens for nothing. And there's nothing that 
happens to us that God doesn't know about first. And so, hey, even if the devil wanted at me in this way, God had to give permission. So there's a purpose for this. That's what I felt. So I said, okay, let's just take it day by day, step by step. They told us that, well, we can't get any of uh, the stuff you need to repair the vehicle for like seven to eight weeks. So at that point, I'm like, man, like we already been here about that time. Man, what are we going to do? And then a friend of mine back home in Canada just so happened to know somebody about an hour south of us in Colorado Springs. And she said that family had been through something similar and might be open to taking us in while we wait. So she made the call, connected us, ended up being a match made in heaven. And it was such a great match that uh, this family I'm talking about, they had an older son in his early 20s who just happened to be a music producer. And it was so crazy that this kid even had the same microphone in his home studios I have in mine. So you start with being like, okay. So I just said, I'm like, yo, can I sit with you in your studio, see what you do? And he's like, yo, you want to make a song? I said, yes, for sure. Let's do the song. And so Crown was born. And he's uh, he's more of an electronic producer. And it was, it's a genre called chip tune. I never heard of it until meeting this cat. And I don't know if you played video games growing up, games like Mario and Mega Man. You know, think of the music that goes, those soundtracks, the music that goes along with your playing experience, right? And then imagine that music being put to a beat, like an electronic beat. And that's how I would, that's how I would describe chip tune, right? And so he made a bunch of different chip tune tracks. They're on Spotify, I would listen, and it was very, I don't know, it took me back to my childhood listening to his music. So it was really positive. So when we came to do Crown, we wanted both of us represented in the track, right? So I wanted it hip hop, but I wanted it those elements that I really appreciated about his genre present in the song. And so that's what we endeavored to do. And I, I really feel like we were able to nail that. And then maybe just appeal to a broader demographic through doing that. But had those events that I just described the vandalism, getting stuck in Denver. Had that not happened, this song would not have happened. And the incredible friendship that we developed with this cat and his family, it wouldn't have happened. And so, man, God's good. Just And it gave us a chance to catch our breath in the middle of this tragedy. And it gave me a chance to write about what we had just come through right after it happened. And I don't know if you've been in the Colorado Springs. It's gorgeous, the mountains, and really picturesque. So it was a great place to write the song. So everything just came together. God just orchestrated everything. And uh, yeah, and so now I finally have a chance to share what we came up with. That's incredible. Just in terms of just the serendipity of it all. And as you yeah. said, it's like God meant for it to happen for sure. Yeah, man. I almost want to shake the vandal's hands, man. Like, thank you for doing what you did. You played your part, man. No, couldn't happen any other way. So, wow. Well, in terms of after doing that 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 song, what is what are some of the things that you want people, whenever they listen to it, to really engage with and takeaway as the personal message? Yeah, I would say strength, hope, knowing that they're not alone, 
was cool when the song debuted, I think maybe the day, no, actually the day I released it, there's a radio station here in Toronto. There's a radio show called The Block on CBC and, and they debuted it on there. And one of the things that the host said was that she had gone through something similar. And so that the song had hit close to home for her. And she said, maybe it hits close to home for you, whoever's listening, right? And I think when you're going through something, sometimes you feel like you're the only one going through it. And then you come out on the other side and you tell your story and then you got a whole bunch of people basically saying, me too, yo, like I went through something similar. And so then I started to realize how much bigger it was than me and then my experiences. Yo, there's a lot of people going, they're weathering these kind of storms. And so if just when you hear somebody that can relate to your experience and just the validation right there, you're like, yo, man, okay, I thought I was the only one. And then number two, if they're able to glean strength from it and be like, yo, I'm not going to let this take me out. There's still, I'm here for a reason. Even if my loved one isn't, I'm here for a reason. So let me just persevere and find out what that is. Those are the things I hope people can take from the song and from the story behind the song as they hear it. Absolutely. It like in, in listening to it, because one of the things I recently lost my recently two years oh, ago, my uh, okay. father passed I'm away. Sorry. And so, thank you. Oh. And so in listening to the song and in listening, especially to the way you talk about like those instances where it's yeah, if I had another day, if I could just like another hour, if we could just spend time doing this, doing that, that, that really, like for me, that person, that, that really hit home for me. And so in, in that process and going through and like in the grieving process, it was really difficult, but I'd say it was really a lot less difficult for me than I would imagine for someone going through it alone, because I had my, my, my brothers my sisters who were able to like really call and check up yeah. and arrange different things and we'd like help each other out in that way and it's been really really instead of it being something that will tear us apart as a family really brought us even closer together in that way and so even in the song you even talk about how going through the struggle can make you better and how you can really be able to go through just a bunch of trials and tribulations, but come out even better for it with the crown. Mm. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned is that you, it was featured on CBC's The Block. Yeah. And so you had, I think it was your your debut music video that you did back in 2017, Voice of Nature. Yeah. That also was featured on the block. And the like the idea, what was the idea behind that music video come from in terms of the way that you did it with the I think it was you and like you were fighting a samurai. Yeah. And the, there was yeah, something so. else and like yeah. a, I had like a black and white film noir Mortal Kombat kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what's nature. So yeah, that one actually, that 
that wasn't necessarily on the block. That was that was that was a bit of a separate thing. It was it was a part of a competition um, that a local company here in in, in Canada, Western Canada, uh, put on. And so I was Telus, and they they put up ten grand for a group of like thirty teams to be able to make a music video for a single. Right. So the song was Force of Nature, and I was. One of my first singles in a while, I'd released a single maybe a few years before that, but this was like under the James Noble brand and all of that. This is the first one. And so, again, a lot of my music is about struggle, right? And so I was just summing up my struggle up to that point in my life. And then when we had this opportunity to share the song and put some visuals to it, a good friend of mine who I had done a little bit of videos here and there in the past we had dreamed of being able to do something bigger together. And so when we came together, we're both kind of nerds, gamers, and, and these kinds of things. And so we're like, yo, what if we could put these kind of visuals together? And so, yeah, that's when, and he's a filmmaker. And so he had dabbled around with some of those themes before. And so he brought kind of everything that he had learned to bear. It, his crew, so it's him and his two brothers, blood brother cinema and so one one brother covers the writing the other covers the directing the other covers like a lot of the prop and production design and so they were all hands on deck and um i think we just took our childhood and um all the things we loved and um some of the visuals and love for video gaming and movies and all of that and just wanted to really bring that to bear i think some of it too was because it was a competition and so we were trying to uh definitely leave an impression and then I just have a lot of fun with it so yeah definitely lightning shooting out the hands and swords and all that kind of stuff was it foot the bill man so it was a lot of fun to make you can tell there was that kind of let's have fun with it thing yeah, kind of vibe to it. yeah 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 it definitely so in terms of that as well as um let's see force of nature as well as with crown you have another song called say something yeah and can you talk a little bit about that one because in that one you specifically mention i think it is like a, it's, it's martin luther king malcolm x and it's more about having a voice, making sure that you say something about your experience. What wanted you, what caused you rather to want to write that song? I was at a, was at a concert, it was a pretty big hip hop artist here in Canada. And it was dope. There's a lot of songs. It's pretty iconic artists. I don't want to, I don't want to drop names just in the sense I'm not trying to insult anybody or whatever. But basically, just while the concert was going on, where I live, Canada, it's it's a lot of white folks. And so and there's a lot of these iconic brothers that were on stage, but they had a bunch of local strippers on the stage as well, too. And so I know that. Just the, that hip hop has made a place for that in the culture. I understand that, but when I, being like a visible minority here, and 
not a lot of people of color. I don't know. I think of where I live and I'm like, I feel like I'm like one of one black person for every five square mile kind of thing sometimes. And so I'm in this concert, I'm watching all these white folk and they're hanging on the words of all the, just a handful of brothers. And I'm watching all these strippers and I'm like, yo, we've got more to offer than this. Look at the, how much influence we have. All these people are hanging on your every word. I'm just thinking of generations before us, artists that didn't have a fraction of that kind of influence or pull in, in society. And what would they be thinking if they were standing here? And so I just felt, I was like, man, we could do better. And we gotta, if we got that kind of platform, we gotta be saying something that that has value. And so, yeah, I just felt like we could do better. So I, I just channeled all of that energy into that song. And that's, yeah, that's what shaped that song, so. Wow. That, that you're right in terms of the way that it is like that sort of culture is really spread on thick in terms mm. of associating those values, those morals along with black culture. And so yeah. in the mind of a regular person, you wouldn't necessarily, if you see one, you usually think of the other kind mm. of thing. And so in terms of what you were trying to do, it's hey, we don't need to associate ourselves with what we've been associated with. And we can then make something for ourselves and be completely different and reinvent ourselves. Absolutely. Well, yeah, man. And it's almost like a balanced, just presenting a balanced picture that this isn't all there is. And think of where we came from. Think of the, the strength, the resilience, the triumphal over adversity. Think of what was needed to bring us to the point where we got these kind of voices where we're moving millions and millions of people of all races globally. And I'm just thinking like, oh, we've got a lot of good to add to the mix as well. And so, and not saying that none of it is good that has been coming. It's just, it is an imbalance, I just think, in terms of what's being put forth. And so I, I just wanted to bring something, bring something different to the table. And so even not just in your music, but what other ways do you practice your faith? Well, I'm a pastor and I have been for about 20 years. I started out as a youth pastor and then in and out of like full-time ministry in a sense. So you know, pastoring, I got a, more of a home church scenario that we're doing right now and uh, it just all of it just happened it wasn't anything that we set out to do it just we we found ourselves in a place where it was really effective in in, in terms of fostering community and people like giving pe people a place where they really felt like they belonged there was support and uh, and yeah and so i just feel like all of this is part of my calling. All of this is part of why I'm here on the planet. This is my contribution to the human condition. This is part of me, my contribution in leaving this place better than I found it. And so, yeah, so I do that. And then I think in my, my biggest, the, the biggest context in terms of how I practice it is, is just by living it every day. 
And especially when my family is concerned, my marriage, my, you know, my wife, my kids, people who know me, love me. And then I deal with my enemies, people who don't love me, people who, who oppose what I'm doing. It's a great opportunity to practice what I preach. It's not always fun, right? But, but yeah, man, I just try to live it. I'm not always perfect. I don't always hit the mark, but I just strive to do it more often than not. Yeah. And so you, you are part of a home church is what you said, right? Yeah. And so for the listeners that aren't really familiar with that concept, can you sure. explain it a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So when I first started out, it was in the context of a normal church, normal, quote unquote. So you have a bit more of an auditorium not necessarily a mega church, but maybe something in between. And so it's very program driven. You have the stage, you have the lights, you have the band, you have the sound system. There's a lot that's heavy on the production value. And not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with that. I came up in, in that for a good decade or so. But then when I was invited to help start a new community, we had originally... That was our, our aim was to, we were meeting in a home because that's what we could do right away. But eventually we move into a community center and then from the community center, after a few years, you raise enough money to start building your own building and, and all of that. But man, like I remember after the 25th community center wouldn't take us on. I just remember being in prayer and being like, yo, man, what's going on? And I just felt God being like, hey. I've got you where I've got you. We're doing something different. So just steady as she goes. And in the meantime, we were just seeing, we were all experiencing something that we hadn't experienced in the context of the more production-oriented church. It was just this sense of community because imagine more of a round table than an audience and, and a stage where we're, there's the element of me sharing my thoughts and bringing sermons and but there's also the opportunity for people to engage as well with one another and engage in discussion and um share their struggles and that kind of thing so we just it just man it was really potent and it was really beautiful in the sense of just yeah fostering community and and making people feel like you were just coming in under the radar, not connecting with anyone, and then going back to their life without being seen or heard, right? And so, yeah, a home church is really, it's great for that. Now, you don't have the programs. You don't have a lot of that stuff going on. And some people, they enjoy that. They want music on a larger level, and they want the programs for their kids. So there's some trade-offs, and there's some things that can do, just can't do it to the level of, but um yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the home church in in a nutshell. Yeah, and it really goes to that coming prepared to share kind of environment. And I I grew up same thing in terms of my own upcoming in in my own faith. Yeah. yeah, same thing. It's like small group kind of small community members. Maybe I want to say at max, yeah, like around 30 and like a minimum or something like that would be, I mean, like two people or, or yeah. more. 
like a little family, like gathering around, as you said, like around the table. I get it thing. totally. Yeah. And, yeah, and and in that situation, it you get to. I think within that situation, you really get to experience. You get to. It's kind of like weird to say, but you're allowed to. You're allowed to doubt. Right? Mm. You're allowed to have questions about things. I, I think that's a better way to put it. You're allowed to have questions about things and not be criticized. Don't you know yeah. you Christians don't do? And so, in that situation, you then get to, to you get to fail, and you get to fail on again like much smaller scale, and you get to fail more repeatedly. And in failing more repeatedly, you then get to learn a ton. Mm -hmm. And whenever you do that, it seems to me like in my own experiences growing up in, in that way, like in that, having that home church experience, it's very enlightening. And mm -hmm. the things that I learned when I was 12 years old really has helped me as I'm 23. I really just yesterday I read a scripture that I didn't read have read but like read it in a different context in terms of when I was 12 years old but yeah. when I read it yesterday it was like oh my gosh this thing is so that's what that means right yeah and, and so you. yeah and so it's very fascinating and interesting that a scripture can apply to a 12-year-old you, and it can also apply to a 23-year-old you later on. Yeah, man. And it's okay. the same scripture, but the same the impact. It just hits different for some reason. Okay. It's, it's like the first time. It's like reading it for the first time. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so in that instance, it really, there is that kind of, there is the allowance for questioning. And it's not a questioning that's, oh, you're like to the extreme max oh if you question about this you're gonna go to hell like, yeah that, exactly. that kind of, yeah. yeah but it, yeah it's not that but it's more of like, uh, so did jesus really say that like we should i i am the gate and then i should the needle of the eye of the camel i, I have the needle the camel goes to the eye of the needle like yeah. is that a real kind of thing or is that like what and so you can question and in the questioning, you then find the answers. And in those answers, you then have more questions or go into more answers. And so it's this thing that really feeds itself. And as it's feeding itself, it's like a... Have you seen like a sourdough starter? Or like even like bread? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah like, like, like bread and yeast. It's just like feeding off of the yeast. And so as it's feeding off of it, it starts to grow and grow. Yeah, and so absolutely. it's this thing of reading the scripture from before reading it now and applying the experiences that you've had from that period of time mm -hmm. to the present and reading into that and just finding that you have just learned a lot more come a lot further and you're able to understand it on a much much more deeper level than okay. you would have if you didn't have those experiences didn't have those questions that you then answered and then let the other questions so okay yeah I, 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 I apologize like rambling on about it but no it's yeah. great it's, it's good to it's common ground man so not at all yeah so what is your what has been like your favorite scripture would you say has really helped you out in times of struggle that you've gone to 
Ooh, that's a great question because different seasons, there might be different ones. Okay, I think this Psalm 37 in general, just the whole chapter, because it addresses a lot of things that challenge our faith. So I think it starts off, don't envy the wicked, but continue to do good. Yes, they'll flourish for a season, but then they'll fade away. And it just goes on and it, to describe a lot of the things that challenge our faith sometimes. When we're looking at, they say no good deed goes unpunished. There's a reason for that saying. It's because sometimes doing good is thankless. And actually, sometimes you'll catch heat for it. And so you look at it and you're like, yo, I'm trying here, but I'm not getting anywhere doing good. Yet this dude who has no interest in good is miles ahead of me. So why am I not doing what he's doing? And you got God saying, look, hang on there because that's not, just hang on because that's not where the story ends. I take care of those who take care of mine. Like people who take care of my business, I take care of them. You just got to hang in there. And so the Psalm, Psalm 37 that speaks to that, Psalm 73, actually, Lauren Hill mentions that. I remain calm reading the 73rd Psalm, right? That's a dope scripture, too, because, again, man, the author is just going in hard saying, hey, like, I've kept my heart pure in vain. That's a really deep line for me. Like, I've kept my heart pure in vain. Like, I basically, I've done this for nothing, right? But then as, again, there's this resolve and this resolution that comes towards the end where clarity starts to set in. And um, they start to see that, hey, when God decides to act and to balance the scales, you start to see um, that indeed it is good to serve him. And that he, he checks for those who check in for the things that matter to him. And so, so yeah, those are, again, triumph over adversity, struggles, stuff that you can use in the trenches. Those are, the, those are my go-to scriptures because they've gotten me through so much and and I've watched them get other people through as well. Those are both like really powerful in terms of, again, as you said, it's like watching people who are succeeding doing the things like you were taught, you know, like that's not right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so you, you feel if the if it's working for them, like how come, like what I'm doing isn't working for me? And yeah. if I'm like quote unquote, like, if I'm right, then like how come, why like, is it not working out for me? Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's one of those things. But it's like people who are on their own timeline and they come into them, they come into their own whenever it's time. Yeah, and so just need to realize that and like, be patient and just really. Um, as you're being patient, just get enough skills that you can then, whenever it is your time, be able yeah. to share your message effectively. Absolutely. So then you're not simply, whenever it's your time, like, come up on stage, you can, you can speak. And so it's like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And so if you just, over time, as you just accumulate as many skills as possible that can help you be able to just share your message effectively, then mm -hmm you'll be able to write you and take it to anything, so. Yeah. Well, I see it like David and Goliath. Like, David was in the wilderness. Nobody was watching him. 
um, you know, as he's watching his father's animals and stuff, and he's fighting off literally bears and lions and wild animals defending his flock. And then when the time comes to put all those skills on display, and really the, the real skill for him wasn't so much how adept he was in, in, in combat. He trusted God, and he said, there's an army behind him that's cowering behind him. This cowering because of this giant. And he says, Hey, I've taken down giants like this because I know the God who I'm talking about. And so the same God that defended me against these lions and these bears is going to help me take you down. And that's exactly what happened, right? And so he just was being faithful. And when the time came for him to shine, it's like God brought a spotlight and the rest is history, right? And so that's what I think we got to do is just be just. Take care of what's in front of you. Do what you can. And then when the time comes for you to be elevated, you'll be ready. But yeah, so I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, David put into practice. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny. It can seem, again, it can seem fruitless. It can seem thankless. What am I doing here? Even when David, I always think about it, when Samuel came to supper, the prophet, to find the next king, David wasn't even invited. His brothers were invited to dinner. He wasn't even invited. He was left out in the fields to continue with the sheep and stuff, right? But God made sure to include him when it was time. But it it seemed monotonous. It could seem for nothing. But all of it was fitting into a plan for his good. So, yeah, exactly. You just, man, you don't know. You think what you're doing is for nothing, but it's it's not. God doesn't waste anything. So we just got to just be faithful with, with what's in front of you, what's, with what's in your care, with what's in your hand, and do, do season. You'll see the reason why. Absolutely, for sure. Well, James, thank you so much for, for your time today, and thank you for the wonderful conversation. Yeah. Uh, I have another question for you. And sure. that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? <laughs> wow. Maybe something I heard not too long ago. Pause and reflect. Just pause and reflect. Just slow down. Stop. Pause. Reflect. We're in a rush this day and age. It's just go everything's instant this instant that and there's power when you stop for a second and take in your surroundings take in what's going on inside of you i'd say just say pause reflect and like from a standpoint of gratitude there's a lot to be thankful for that we just tend to forget in the rush so that's what i would say very good text to have yeah man Oh, thank you very much, James. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me, man. I don't take times like this for granted. So thanks for the support for what I'm doing. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yo, I gave it everything. Live one life so we would have traded anything. Talking anything. Rolex and wedding rings. Worldwide status. Yo, I'm putting that on everything. 
Took us everything, leaving nothing undone. Yeah. All I wore, we was living under the gun. All to extend her journey under the sun. But it's a hundred to one, there's no permission to come. But she's still in it, talking far from finished. All these doctors are living, cause she's not opted for quitting. Uh, odd positions, positions hard to listen. Yo, this is God's decision for real, and y'all dismiss it. Mom's missing, they disregarded her wishes. Let us suffer with such a heartless indifference. Can't go back, so I just honor her spirit to make it go for the crown until I'm low in the ground. Look, came through the foul, ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Came with the medicine, can't fake the sound. Ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Came through the flood and the flames, it was wild. Ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Came through with medicine, can't fake the sound. Ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Break it down, huh? Came through the foul, ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Came with the medicine, can't fake the sound. Ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Came through the flood and the flames, it was wild. Ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Came through with medicine, can't fake the sound. Ten toes down so they won't take the crown. Break it down. Aiming to shine, it don't come easy. Leading the blind, it won't come easy. Going for 12 rounds, it don't come easy. Trying to bring heaven down, it won't come easy. Don't come easy. Come easy. Don't come easy. Trying to bring heaven down, it won't come easy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Gold Podcast, Stories of Black Dreamers and Doers. Please go ahead and subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now so that it can reach more people. If you want to get in touch with me personally, go ahead and send me an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the show, or if you want to talk about how to create your own podcast, where you can find people and talk with them about the topic of your interest. If you want to go further into doing that, make sure to go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom and get yourself a copy of the Side Gig Podcast Guide. It's a guide that I put together for you to start a quality podcast on a low budget. So go ahead and do those things, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.